You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Here we are again. This is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon, face-to-face, doing whatever it takes from the land of Israel, the place of the prophets, the spot where the prophets walked, talked, and spoke, and shared the good news of the Word of God. And we are excited to be able to do this session. We're actually in the book of Hosea, Nehemiah. Uh, we have been in Israel for the last few days, and I'll just tell you something. I've got a big announcement today as a result of being here. I oh, fought you, Nehemiah. What's your announcement? I have fought you about you uh, being here, and it's not the ministry minute yet, so I'm going to take a second. But I want to say something. Uh, the reason I fought you is because I was like, well, look, you know, how are we, how's this going to work? Where are we going to stay? And you, you actually found us a spot uh, in the side of a mountain in the city of Jerusalem, um, where it's down in the basement, two levels down in the basement. And the only part that's been difficult is you left me here by myself. Okay. And actually that's been a blessing because as a result, I've been thinking a lot about not only what we have been doing, what we are doing and what we're going to do. And so if you hang on folks during the ministry minute, I want to share something that I came to really, uh, just a few weeks before coming here and it's been confirmed. I'm kind of like Jeremiah. <laughs> you kind of get a sense of something and then you see things happen and you say, I now know it's of God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Alas, so no Lord. Hosea and Nehemiah. We can't start what? Hosea. We're yeah. not going to start the section until we give a little background on Hosea. I think it's one sure. of the um, most compelling um, pictures for a prophet that that exists in the Bible. <laughs> but you know what's what's the what's the Torah portion? Yeah, the Torah portion here is uh, we're actually done with Leviticus. Can you believe it? Yeah! This is the first portion in Numbers by wow. Bar. Wow! And it's Numbers chapter one, verse one through chapter four, verse twenty. Now, why did you say Bamidbar? Because that's the Hebrew name, isn't it? But, of but why? The portion. Do you, yeah, but so what does that mean, Bamidbar? In the desert. In the desert. Yeah. But isn't it funny we call it Numbers? Yeah. In English. So what's the connection? Why do you think it's numbers versus uh, in the desert? Well, because the theme or, or one of the themes throughout the book of Bamidbar is that mm-hmm. there's counting. Israel is counted. So they mm-hmm. called it numbers. In Hebrew, they just choose one of the first words of the, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think the first word of the book is and he said, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and so you can't have the book called and he said because lots of things open and he said. Yeah. Or it's actually and he spoke. By Debel Yehovah al Moshe. And, and Yehovah spoke to uh, Moshe Bimidbar Sinai in, in the desert of Sinai. Amen. So basically, it's the first word that is kind of not unique, but is yeah. you know. Yeah. And and Yehovah spoke to Moses. That's many many verses. Awesome. But in the desert, Bimidbar is the opening word. And it's funny One because how does how does it open in Hosea? And and folks, before we get started, there might be a little confusion because yeah. in the Hebrew Bible. We're starting in Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. In the English Bible, we're starting in Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Both of them actually end up with a word. Um, it's the same verse. It's just the same verse. It's yep. just counted differently. It's just counted differently. But it says, yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like <clears throat> the sand of the sea. So when I see that, I think about numbers. <laughs> right. Well, and, and definitely the theme of, of this portion of numbers is, that is or one of the themes is that Israel is being counted. Mm-hmm. And that's presumably this association of you know, back then in the desert, you counted them. Mm-hmm. In the future, the number won't be countable. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. So yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, and here's what's interesting, a little section here uh, in the NASB, it says, you are not my people. It will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. We've got to wrap. We got to you know finish out the the background, and maybe mm. we've talked about this. I don't mm. know, but Hosea is one of, is a prophet of the northern kingdom. We did talk about that. Yep, it's during the days of Jeroboam the second. 
Um, and he does something really <laughs> controversial and unusual, mm-hmm. but God tells him to do it, so he does it. He marries a prostitute, mm-hmm. and her name is Gomer. Yep. Which, you know, I think of Gomer Pyle. And to be honest with you, even in Hebrew, that's an unusual name for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe not in the Northern Kingdom. Um, so her name is Gomer, and uh, she, they have a son named Loami, which means not my people. And they have a daughter named Loruchama, which means um, there is not mercy upon her. Mm-hmm. And and that's what in this in that context, he says. Um, I mean, that was even the, just the previous verse. In that, that context, he says, you know, in place of it being said Lo Ami about the people of Israel, it will be they'll be said about them. They are the sons of the living God. Mm-hmm. Not, instead not, of yeah. instead of again in, in Hebrew, they're saying Lo Ami, uh, not my people. Yeah, it will be said to them, you are. The sons of the living God. B'nai wow. El-Chai. Mm-hmm. Now, when I hear sons of the living God, um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Deuteronomy 14, verse 1. Yep. And there it says, Ye are children of the Lord your God. That's mm-hmm. in the King James. In the Hebrew, it's, Banim atem lehechem. You are sons of Yehovah your God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, so that's actually comes from Deuteronomy, that concept, or it's in Deuteronomy as well. And um, here he's saying, look, you, you know, you were sent out into exile. We, we you know, you, you were banished from being my people, mm. but I'm going to take you back once again. Mm. Wow. You know, it's something because when you read this, when you're reading this based on the fact that we know about the son and the daughter and what their names are. And again, if, if you just started at the beginning at two, at one verse 10 or two verse one, you wouldn't know that. Um, you see that. But then in the next verse, and I'm not going to try to skip to the verse, but I want to say, the next verse actually addresses Let's that do it. again. Let's but, talk about the next verse. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together. And that's this. this kibbutz. Thing. They'll yeah. be kibbutz together. They'll be kibbutz together. And they will appoint for themselves. Now, here's what it says here. They will appoint for, for themselves uh, one leader in English. Uh, I think it is, it's uh, one head. One head. Yep. Yeah. So one head. And they will go up from the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Jezreel. Wow. And Jezreel, of course, is um, the valley in which, uh, in northern Israel, the, cent- the most mm-hmm. important valley in northern Israel. And it also is uh, the name of a city, which was at one time the capital of the northern kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear Jezreel here, we really should think of, oh, northern kingdom, because that's the capital. Mm-hmm. And it's like what you would talk, you might say in English, speaking about Russia, and you'll say, you know, uh, the news from Moscow is... Or Washington has decided, and by Washington you mean the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so here Jezreel is uh, the capital of the kingdom of Israel. Mm-hmm. Wow. By the way, isn't it interesting, I, I, and, and, I, and I, this is just an Israel question again. So in terms of how things work, so the Knesset yeah. is right around the corner. Yeah. Like we see the Knesset that is there. Yeah. But how is Tel Aviv representative in, in the land of Israel as a city? In other words, when you think of Israel, I, like I think of Jerusalem being, you know, and they talk about the old city, but then Tel Aviv sort of has this other this other feeling. Like in a lot of states, you'll have one city that that's where the capital is, and then another city that's where the action is. In Israel, how does it work? In other words, what's the capital? The capital of Israel is Jerusalem. But in Tel Aviv, and, so much is there. What happens? Tel Aviv is not just an important city, like culturally and, and economically. It, um Arguably, uh, you know, Israel is moving in the direction of one day possibly being a, a city state. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was I, we've both been in Hong Kong yep. where you have this one city that's almost an entire country. And then you go to Singapore and it's literally one city that's an entire country. And Israel has this mega city, which is Tel Aviv, where uh, if you take the Tel Aviv metropolitan area, um, certainly that's the largest concentration of, of Israelis anywhere. Uh, and I don't know the exact statistic. 
But if it's not currently, it will be soon. Um, the majority of the population living in the Tel Aviv metropolitan area. And I don't know what the. I think the analogy might be if we look at California, you got the capital, which is Sacramento, mm-hmm. um, and then you have uh, Los Angeles. You have Los Angeles, which <laughs> is a mega city, and maybe the better analogy there is is San Francisco, which is like the cultural center of mm-hmm. California. I think I'm not Californian. But that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. And then you have Los Angeles, which is the the, the population uh, mm-hmm. capital, and it's mm-hmm. a mega city. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. though the culture difference between Jerusalem and and uh, Tel Aviv. Oh, it's, it's big! It's huge. <laughs> I can't believe how big it is. Anyway, I, I actually enjoy Jerusalem a whole lot better than I than, than Tel Aviv. That's just me. me too. You know, I really, I really. I'm do. a Jerusalemite through and through. Mm-hmm. I actually have a card that says I'm, I'm a card carrying Jerusalemite. Really? Yeah, it expired though. I got to renew it. Okay. By the way, you have a bus card, Nehemiah. I do have a bus card, and uh, this bus card, you just put money on it, and you can get on the bus and just. Put it in and go. and Right. And it's got my picture. And actually, it's a really cool thing. If you lose it, mm-hmm. then um, you can call them up and say, you know, here's my uh, identity num- ident- identification number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, th- and they'll actually cancel it and transfer whatever money's on it. To your to a new card. So I need one of those cards because I'm I'm having problems. We get on the bus and you know you have six shekels, six point five ninety. Yeah, five ninety, and I've I've run out of change, and you won't give me any more change, and you won't. What do you mean? You all the yesterday you put me on your card. All you have is for me. Yesterday you put me on your card. I want to yeah. tell you that I appreciate. It. But you know it's really interesting because in in when you're in Israel, it's such a small place. When I say small, comparatively, what is it like New Jersey? Would you say it's the size of New they Jersey? They say it's the size of New Jersey. Yeah. But in this situation, you talk about the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And I'm getting back to this. this yeah. I want to back up and talk about the buses. Oh. So I understand, like, your ministry is on television and you've got, like, jets that are fueling. <laughs> you, are you telling me we're riding the bus? <laughs> we're riding the bus. Man. Yes, people, we're riding the we're bus. We're riding the bus. And actually, it's a, it's a, it's a humble, but it's, a, it's also a way about being with the people here because people travel here a lot. Not everybody has a car. Um, in Israel, it's like the apartment situation. You know, in Israel, it's apartments. That's basically, I'm, I'm going to Netanyahu's house, okay? Yeah. I'm going to go to Netanyahu's house. It's like going to the, you know, the, the, to the White House, I'm thinking. Yeah. And and you say, and that's where he lives. And I'm like, no, 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 that can't be where he lives. It's an that, apartment No, building. because that looks exactly like the place next to it and the place <laughs> next to it. He has an apartment. Right. Well, he does live in a posh neighborhood, but yeah. well, he's got a duplex apartment. Posh compared to other places, I'd be honest with you. It, yeah. yeah it's a no, he, he's not living in a villa somewhere. Um, but anyway, 2 verse 1 says, Now say to your brothers, if we can read this, um, yeah. say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Rahama. Wait, no, wait, wait. No, no, didn't How you did not, you go past verse 2? No, I, I thought I said verse 2. Now, verse 2 is what in the English, isn't it? No, verse so you're confused. I read um, one eleven. Oh, I see what happened. You're confused. Yeah, I'm confused. Right. I read so one. So 2, 2 in the Hebrew is counted as verse chapter 1, verse 11. That's what, in, okay, please. Would you in English, that? so yeah. let's talk about one eleven. Yeah. 2, 2 in the Hebrew. Okay, go ahead. All right. So first of all, we've got Judah and Israel being kibbutz together, and they shall place for themselves one head, and they shall go out of the land. And we actually, I think, read something like this in Ezekiel, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. In Ezekiel 34, I think that's what it was. Or maybe, uh, so it, this concept of having one head, um, it, it, it's and first of all, they will come up out of the land. That's this image of the second exodus. Yep. Right? Because Israel came up out of the land of Egypt. So now they're going to come up out of the land of the diaspora of exile mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, so Jeremiah, I want to read you Jeremiah 16. Oh, we just did that, didn't we? Jeremiah yeah. 16. Oh, but we didn't do these <laughs> verses because because they weren't in the section. Uh, am I right? Yeah. I, I believe so. So Jeremiah 16, I keep coming back to Jeremiah 16. He loves Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah so 16, 14 to 15. Therefore, uh, behold, the days co- uh, come, saith the Lord. I'm reading the King James. I can't stand that. I'm going to bring you JPS. 
Surely a time is coming, declares Yehovah, when it shall no longer be said, as Yehovah lives, you brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, but rather, as Yehovah lives, you brought the Israelites out of the north land and out of all the lands to which he had banished them. Mm. For I will bring them back to the land which I gave to their fathers. So that's this. That's probably the clearest passage speaking about a second exodus. So much so where it's saying you won't even refer to God anymore as the God who brought you out of Egypt. You're going to refer to God as the God who brought you out of exile. That's what it's referring to here, going up from the land, the second exodus image. Um, that Rosh Hashad, that one head, that one leader, who is that? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who would you, who, like, what is, what would, what is that one head? It's got to be the one that's going to lead them. It's got to be the, it's got to be so the can Messiah. We, it's the Messiah. Can Absolutely. I, I, I think and, here's where we're on complete common ground. It will be the Messiah. And Ezekiel 34, 23, and can I read that? Or yeah. do you have something you no, want no, to say? No, no, that's fine. Oh, I, I do want to say something, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead while I'm bringing it up. Well, here's, here's what's interesting. When I, when I actually see this now, this is, this, maybe I'm being too, I say esoteric here, um, but 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 when I when I hear about the fact that it will come to a place where it's no longer talking about the God who brought them out of Egypt, but rather the God who brought them from the north and all those kinds yeah. of places in our lifetime. And I know we talk a lot about mm-hmm. this, but I want to go beyond saying our yeah. lifetime. Now, when we talk about what God has done, isn't it interesting? Even in our conversation. Yeah. We will say, and we've said it, go throughout Prophet Pearls. You'll get all excited, Nehemiah, and you'll say, you know, right here in my own eyes, I'm watching prophecy fulfilled. And I've seen, you know, and i got to tell you, you know, I can go Is that what I sound like? Sometimes. <laughs> look, look, you should see him with his little hat on. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, no, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing this, you're talking about it. And, and, yeah. and i got to say something. Yeah. As excited as you are, yeah. okay, Imagine the people before. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt. This is the God who brought us out of yeah. Egypt. And we're now seeing the shift. It's yeah. actually happening. We're talking about the God. And this sounds, maybe I'm being a little radical here. Taking a people out of Egypt, out of slavery, that is huge. It's amazing. Whoa, all these people come out. Getting people from all over parts of the world back to a country that wasn't a country. Like, we're seeing this in our lifetime. It's amazing. So it's, it really is it, incredible. No, no, seriously. Well, and, and particularly, I've said this before, but the Jews coming out of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, every synagogue used to have a big sign in front. And it was a Jewish star, you know, the, the Star of David, wrapped in chains. Mm-hmm. And that represented the Jews who were prisoners in the Soviet Union, over a million Jews. And now... Uh, there's over a million Jews who came from the former Soviet Union and now live in Israel. And uh, and now it's the second generation already growing up. So from here's, those people. But here's what I'm saying. That and, and that's the Northland, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I mean, and the thing, I guess the thing that, that the part of it that, again, I get to go outside. We'll go outside mm-hmm. today after we take a break. Yeah. You, you give me, what, 10 minutes? Do I get a 10-minute break? <laughs> no, 10, 15, 15-minute break. But literally, when we get on that bus, we get on that bus and we look mm-hmm. around. And every time I look around and I see all these different people and I see this is what they're saying. This is the God who brought us from all of these places back to the land. I mean, it's like oh, no man. longer will it be. We're living prophecy yeah, here. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, we're living, we're seeing the shift. I mean, yeah. you know, even Netanyahu, when he was uh, a couple months ago, based on the timing here, uh, a couple months ago, what did he say? He said, look, we're, we're in 100 generations. We weren't able to protect ourselves. Now we are people and we have our own land mm-hmm. and we're protecting ourselves. He's saying that as prime minister, he's fulfilled. It's being fulfilled. What's happening here? That's what mm-hmm. he's talking about. He's not okay. saying, hey, we're the people that were brought out of the land of Egypt. No, we're the people that were brought from all of these lands, and now we're back and we're here. And, and, and I'm vexed in a way because of that. Because, you know, the world looks upon us and they said, oh, you're, you're colonists from Europe. You're these, you know, you're a foreign have colony. They not seen the, have they not been to Israel and seen all the different people and all the different no, nations? No, they, they haven't. 
In other words, but but even that, even the Jews who came from Europe, who returned from Europe, we're not colonists. We're, we've been gathered. We've been kibbutzed back into this land, just like he promised. And and, and imagine, imagine if we went back 3,500 years ago and we were we were watching on on CNN or or, or the BBC back then, and they would talk about. Uh, uh, the uh, the you know this the imperialist power of Joshua and his people who have colonized Canaan and uh, those sure. foreigners they should go back to Egypt. Yeah, they've settled. Excuse the land, me, yeah. God gave us this land; it's His. He created it, and look, you know, we were in exile and we're back now. It's not like we're some foreign people. This is mm-hmm. this is our country. This is yeah. our land. Mm-hmm. I want to read you Ezekiel thirty four twenty three twenty five. Then I will appoint a single shepherd over them to tend them. And, and again, we have here Echad. And there it's um, Rosh Echad, Rosh which Echad. is really interesting. Ro'e is shepherd and Rosh is head. And I love that word one. There's going to be one Messiah. Um, there will be, I will point a single shepherd. And that's really significant here, especially in Hosea, because he lives at a time when there are, two sh- there are two kings. There are two heads, one over Israel and one over Judah. He's saying, no, there's going to be one head. There's going to be one shepherd. Mm. Um, there aren't going to be two kings. I'll point a single shepherd over them to tend them. My, and that one is really one. My servant David, he shall tend them. He shall be a shepherd to them. I, Yehovah, will be their God, and my servant David shall be a ruler among them. I, Yehovah, have spoken, and I will grant them a covenant of friendship. I will banish vicious beasts, etc., etc. Okay, so there we have this idea of Yehovah is, is going to be uh, our God. We will be his people, and we will have the Messiah. I mean, look at that. That's a lot. That's, that's quite, interesting because you're saying this. And I know a elements. lot of people know that, that is, that's the case. There is common ground between yeah. people from different backgrounds in terms of their hope. Their hope in terms of Messiah yeah. r- ruling, you know, being appointed yeah. by God, and you know, again, there, there's a battle. I was talking to a, a very dear friend of mine, um, just um, real time here, and uh, he was talking about that. He said, you know, there's so many people that get on him about who he talks to and his connections and all that, and he says, and there's a lot of things that there's where there is no connection, but then there are a lot of things where yeah. there is connection. And what's one of the major connections yeah. is that everybody, everyone, everyone is saying, boy, yeah. what will that be like the day when he sets up his Messiah? There's not going to be any argument then. Oh, know, man. It's going to be real One clear. more passage, and this is homework. We're not going to read it because we want to move on. Mm-hmm. But Ezekiel 37, verses 24 through 28. And what are all the common elements in these different passages? We've got one leader. Mm-hmm. It's the Davidic Messiah. The Messiah from the line of David. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this concept that we will be His people and He will be our God. Mm-hmm. We've got this covenant and dwelling in safety. We've got these, you know, I, I count those as five elements that um, mm-hmm. are in all of these different prophecies, and that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's not just oh, there's that one 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 Messiah thing. No, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of things in common there. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I, and I'm First and I and I am confused now um, because I've got my, my computer open. I've got an English on the left side, two <laughs> verse one, and I've got a Hebrew on the right side. And I, I have to be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure out when it is that they're going to match because eventually they match. Right. I and I don't know what verse it is when they yeah, match. I don't know either. <laughs> so chapter 2, verse 3 in the Hebrew is chapter 2, verse 1 in the English. Yep. If you're in the English, look at 2-1. If you're in the Hebrew, look at 2-3. What do yes. we got? Say to your brothers, we already said this, Ami and to your sisters, Rahama. And again, that's Ruchama, referring... Ruchama, which means what? Yeah. My people my, and... Uh, how do they translate Rahama? Ruchama is that which is, there is mercy upon. Yep, mercy it's upon. A, a passive mm-hmm. word. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, go on. Contend with your mother. Contend, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And let her put away her harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. That's what it says here in the English. Yeah, that's what it says. And, you know, when you're reading this and you're going backwards, like we said, historically, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, um, from a context standpoint, 
what it was Hosea did. Now I talked about Ezekiel being like this uh, this prophet of uh, tragedy, and Jeremiah. You know, I love Jeremiah. He just seems to be like um, I don't know how to say it. He seems the most uh, regular guy. I don't know why I say that. Um, But Hosea is just I cannot wrap my my mind around uh, what he was what it was that he had to do. Even though, as we see that, in other words, it's not just it's not just imagery. It doesn't. He doesn't say now. Take this. Take this stick, and this stick means this. No, take this wife who's a prostitute, and that's his wife. I mean, <laughs> and, and I can't look. Can, can we use this term? Um, uh, he basically is using. In many of the prophets have what we might call witnessing tools. Yeah. And like you know, Jeremiah takes the yoke. Yeah, and puts and he, it. On, yeah, you know, and he puts it on. Yep, the guy yep, breaks yep. it. He takes another yoke. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So that's like something you're doing during your day job, and then you go home and, and, and you're done. This guy, his life is prophecy. Exactly. His, wit- his was, witnessing tool is his entire his life. His entire life. I mean, his children. Who he marries is his children. children. I mean, we're talking, I mean, I don't. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway. Wow. So um, it's going to be a pick and choose here as we go through. Um, because he's talking about, it There's says. so much. Yeah. And 2-3 says, or I will strip her naked and expose her as on the day when she was born. I will also make her like a wilderness, make her like desert land. And slay her with thirst. Now, so who is he talking about? In other words, is this supposed to remind? Is this supposed to remind us as we're reading this of Hosea and 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 his situation? Is there a, is there a transition here? Like oh, when you, I mean, yeah. so so in this passage, I think um, Hosea's prostitute wife and his children are symbols of what of what's going to happen between God and Israel. Mm. So here we're really talking about Israel. Yeah, and the mother is the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. Um, and saying, "Look, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta repent, or you're gonna have problems." <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it says, "I will also have no compassion on her children, because mm-hmm. they are children of harlotry, for their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has." That. And again, let's be clear here. Um, we we've talked about what does it look like for her to play the harlot, and what does it look like in terms of the false gods and the, uh, you know, the nations and all that sort of thing. And so it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot of creativity to figure out what's what's going on here. For she said. <laughs> I will go after my lovers who gave me, who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. And these are the things that actually are representative of how you survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, bread and water, you got to have bread and water and my flax and my wool and you keep them warm and oil in my drink. And that basically that's what she's doing. And she's saying, it's not God. It's not Yehovah who's providing. I'm going after these false lovers, these uh, these idols, these Well, I think there's nations. two false lovers, yeah. two types of false lovers. One is the foreign nations. Yep. You know, particularly in this period, it would be Egypt and, and Assyria, um, or, or other you know uh, mm. nations around them. And then the other one is going to be, um, as you said, idols. Yep. In other words, um, did you get your? Was it God who gave you what you have, or was it some foreign nation, or was it um, some foreign god? And, and I can't. And, you know, we're pre-recording this, and we just the other day heard Netanyahu speak before the American Congress, and. Um, and, and I heard this interview with this. Can, can I talk about this? I heard an interview with one of uh, Obama's advisors, and um, and and the guy is one of the most arrogant people I've ever seen. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name. He was actually a Jew, and um, and he was, and I think they probably chose him as the token Jew to speak against Netanyahu. And he was saying um, how you know Netanyahu is is the client state, and he needs to you know seek our favor. And um, basically, that's what he said. Um, you know, and, and it was the context that they said, well, you know, Netanyahu disrespected Obama. And the interviewer said, well, what about Obama disrespecting Netanyahu? And the response of this token Jew was to say, um, you know, well, uh, you know, the client state needs to seek the, you know, needs Super to make. 
yeah, this need, needs to make sure that the the super and he used the term client state, I believe, um, or something like that needs to needs to make sure the relationship with the superpower is is intact and not the other way around. And I'm thinking like this guy is Babylon, this guy is the king of Egypt, and Israel needs to take a step back. Netanyahu needs to take a step back and say, I trust in Yehovah, not in the United States of America, and. Um, and look, I could explain to you from a very practical point of view how that could be very advantageous. But certainly from a perspective of faith, we need to trust in Yehovah, the creator of the universe, and not in some foreign power. Okay, okay, okay. We got out of that one. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her, though she cannot find her path. And what are these paths? It says, so she will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. That's what it says here in yeah. English. Um, um, she won't reach them. She won't get to them. And she will seek them. And, I, and when I see phrases like this, I always think about seeking. They seek them and not find them. They, she mm-hmm. will seek them but not find them. Mm-hmm. Then comes the verse. Yeah. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband for it was better for me then than now. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> Who's her first husband? Yehovah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, and you know, and it's, it's interesting because when you look at the imagery, um, husband, wife, uh, the lovers, the false gods, all these things. I mean, you, you, it isn't hard to be able to, to understand why, why these images are the way that they are and what we're talking about. So he's speaking about the first husband being God. Mm-hmm. For she does not know, and this is back to this issue earlier yeah. about saying who's, where is she going to get her oil or bread and her water and her oil and her flax? She does not know that it was I who gave her the grain the new wine and the oil and lavished on her silver and gold. And then it says, which they used for Baal. Mm -hmm. Who's not a real God? It's not a real God. I mean, it's like, you know, I I just got to ask you a question. Sometimes I wonder when I'm reading scripture, when does God's patience just say, you know what? This enough, enough, enough is enough. (laughs) When does he just say, Enough is enough. When, when is that going to happen? Yeah. Or does he ever say enough is enough? And, and then mm. just when I think he does say enough is enough, he has these words and phrases. But I will not forget her. I will bring her back. Mm-hmm. I will do this. And it's like, what an amazing, what, a, oh, man, who is this God that has that kind of patience? Yeah. That has that kind of mercy and that kind of love and that kind of care that would just say, yeah, you did all of this. He sure is merciful. I'll tell you that. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Verse 9. Can we say verse 9? Which is verse 11 in the Hebrew. Okay. And I, you know what? you got to read verse 9 in the English, 11 in the Hebrew. you probably got some other translation. What do you see there? Uh, okay. We're in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. Or we're no, in no. Sh- we're in verse 8. Yeah. Yeah. clearly getting to chapter 2. <laughs> verse 9, 7 in the English. I'll read you from the JPS, which in the JPS it actually is the same as the Hebrew. Pursue her lovers as she will. She shall not overtake them. And seek them as she may. She shall never find them. Then she will say, I will go. We just read this. I will go and return to my first husband, for then I fared better than now. Next verse, verse 10, and uh, in, the, in the Hebrew 10. Mm-hmm. And she did not consider this. I know we just read this. Verse no, no, 11. It's funny. No, so we're, now we're it's really, it, We're interesting. We're connected. 2.10 and 2.10 are the same. Are they not? No. This is two, where the confusion is. So 2.9 in the English is 11 in the Hebrew, which is why it was two verses off. Okay, got you. Okay, now 2.11, which is 2.9 in the English. Assuredly, I will take back my new grain in its time and my new wine in its season, and I will snatch away my wool and my linen that served to cover her nakedness. Now will I, I will uncover her shame in the very sight of her lovers, and none shall save her from me. we got to stop with that. Okay, wow. good. Can, can we talk about Please, that? Please, yes. 
All right. So first of all, we've got two words for salvation mm-hmm. that we've talked about. There's lehoshia from the verb yudshin ayin, mm-hmm. yeshua, and the other is lehatzil from mm-hmm. the ver- from the root nun line, which means to rescue. They're both sometimes translated as to save, both sometimes translated as to rescue. Um, here, this is, a re- this is a really interesting statement. So, what man would try to save Israel from Yehovah's hand? I mean, you know, what what su- what human savior would purport to even try? Mm. So, what, what what's your take on that? I mean, it says no man will try will save her from my hand. Mm. You know, so who would even like? What does that even mean? Who would even try? Can I tell you what comes to mind for me? Okay. So, in Jewish history, you had these figures who people who claimed to be the Messiah. Mm. And they were false messiahs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this. Somebody actually wrote a really interesting book called 50 Jewish Messiahs. Mm-hmm. I do know about that. And, um, and in the book, he says there's a lot more than 50, but it sounded like the good title for a book. And, and one that comes to mind is um, in, the, uh, in the year 1172, there was this man in, um, in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, he pro- and we actually don't even know his name, but we know a lot about the story. He proclaimed that he was the messiah and he was going to lead Israel out of Yemen Back to the land of Israel, and uh, at one point in this whole um, uh, story, he appears before the Sultan of Yemen. You mm-hmm. know, it's a Muslim Arab country, and he appears before the king, who's called the Sultan. And the, and the Sultan doesn't, doesn't know. He's like, "What? What are you talking about? You know, uh, you're some little Jewish tribe mm-hmm. in my country. You want to leave and you want to defeat me? What?" Yep. And he said, "I can prove that I'm the Messiah." How could he prove he's the Messiah? He said, cut off my head and you'll see I'll still be alive. I'll come back to life. And so the sultan cut his head off and needless to say, he didn't come back to life. And his disciples? Uh, what? So his disciples then said, okay, this is not the Messiah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Although there are actually some who still apparently followed him and thought one day he would reappear. But anyway, um, uh, I hear this and, and maybe I'm reading into it, but I think, you know, no man can save Israel from my hand. And I think there have been people who thought they could, you know, out of their own power, come and save Israel. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do it. And they couldn't Only do the it. true Messiah will be able to do that. Amen. May it be made yeah. soon. Verse 13, which is 11 in the English. Okay. Go now, I, here's where I want to stop a little bit. Because okay. it says here in the, in the English, it says, I, and this is where I, I have to tell you, Nehemiah, um, mm-hmm. on, a, on a casual reading, um, there are a lot of people, there are people that would go to this verse and they would there connect it. Mm-hmm. This verse and saying what he will put an end to and say that that, that relates to yeah. present day. It says, I will also put an end to all of, and the, the word that they use here in English is all of her uh, gaiety, but in uh, in Hebrew it's masos, uh, masos, which is ha- uh, celebration. Yes, yeah, celebrations and, her, and her, 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 uh, her feasts, which are her hods. By the way, as we're here today, it's interesting. I've heard this probably 15 times in the last, you know, well, 20 times maybe in the last uh, uh, 20 hours where someone will say, uh, uh, Hag Sameach, you know, and, and they're happy, saying, yeah, feast. happy feast, and they're talking about Purim. Mm-hmm. Now, for those that don't know, yesterday, which would have been the 14th, was the for the unwalled cities where people began to celebrate Purim. And tonight, which is the 15th, the evening of the 15th, I guess that you'd say, um, is is uh, Purim for the walled cities. So in Jerusalem right. tonight, it's after we're done, we're yeah, after we're done, we're going to be actually going out in Nehemiah and I, and we're going to uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to yeah. we're going to be with the people. But what's really really interesting is that so someone could read this verse and it says, and I will just take it out of context. Read uh-huh. this verse and say, I will put an end to all of her uh, her, her masos and uh, her, her celebration, all of her hogs, all of her hodesh, um, new uh, moons. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, Hodesh and her uh, uh, sh- Sabbaths, 
and all of her um, times. all of her appointed times. Right. And someone could now tell me, could this happen? Yeah, someone could go to this verse. Yeah, and say when we say you know it's a great opportunity to celebrate God's um, uh, you know uh, Sabbaths yeah. or his his his, 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 his moedim, and they could take this verse and put it out and say God says He's going to put an end to all of that, and say that that's exactly what He's talking about here. So the question that has to be asked is, what's the difference? These are the same words. What's the difference about what she was doing? Mm-hmm. That he's going to put an end to, and what he called for people to actually follow. Yeah. In other words, what what do we know that would let us know how her new moons and her sabbaths and her hogs and her um, moedim uh, is the kind of thing that he puts an end to? Yeah, well, so she clearly was sinning, um, and she's worshiping idols, and she is you know going after other nations, and um, you know, and so in that context, he's he's saying, look, I. I you, know, you want just the happy parts, the the good parts, you know, the the fun parts. So do you think these are the same things? In other words, are the th- in other words, her heart's wrong, her actions are wrong. I think she. This is no different than we read about. Um, you know, you bringing the sacrifices, but then you're sinning. Okay. And so, so I don't want your sacrifices if you're going to sin. Okay. And and I think that's the context here. I don't want these Shabbats, new moons, the Moed- uh, Moedim, Chagim. If you're going to be sinning, don't wow. do this and sin at the same time. So we can't put this on something else. These are actually the same things. Oh, I think so. No question wow. about it. That's a big yeah. deal. That's a big deal. I mean, what else could they be? I'm just saying. You know, someone could say, well, maybe there's some mother. Uh, maybe she's taking some. Oh, other- is this the false feast? The also false feast. Yes. Oh no no no. Yeah. no. It, and I think there's definitely a play on words here in the verse in the beginning of thirteen. The first word in Hebrew is vishishbati. Mm-hmm. I will put an end to in your mm-hmm. English is actually I will Sabbath. I will Sabbath. Means I'm not going to. I'm going to rest these things. I'm going to rest these things. Look, <laughs> yeah. we're not doing these now. We're going to yeah. take a break. I'm going to put you in the corner, take a break, and you're not going to be allowed to celebrate Shabbat until you 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 know. I insist. Start, I insist start behaving. Be the word of the week. Come on. Okay. The Vahishbati. word. Vehishbati. Uh, and the and the root of the word is Shabbat, which mm-hmm. is Shin Bet Tav. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got something here a little complicated. We're not going to get into it, but basically, it's uh, it's I will cause to. What do you re- mean we're not going to get into it? We have to get into. Tell them what it is. This is this, this is really cool. I mean, um, it's a cause. It's the Hifil verb. It's the Hifil verb. Mm-hmm. I will cause to uh, to cease. Amen. Right. Yeah. But then we have something else which is kind of cool. I don't know if you noticed this. Mm-hmm. So um, the suffix for I. For I in, in uh, Hebrew, mm-hmm. um, and particularly for this form of the verb, mm-hmm. is T. Yep. But then there's T. There's t- the Tav, which is part of the of the root. Mm-hmm. So it should have been Vihishbatati. Vihishbatati. Yeah. And instead it's Vihishbati. Mm-hmm. And that's called assimilation. That's a very common thing that happens mm-hmm. in language where the, the two Ts coalesce as one and... Um, Vihishbatati becomes Vihishbati. Even though Vihishbatati is perfectly good Hebrew, you can say that too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. cool. That was a complicated thing. But the root is Shin Bet Tav, which is to cause, to rest, to cease. It's it's the same root as uh, Shabbat. Mm-hmm. And there's and if we're already talking about this since you brought this up, <laughs> can we talk about, um, just real quick, I want to bring a verse here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 15. And it says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Yeah, twelve fifteen. You should eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. And the word for remove is tashbitu. You will Sabbath the leaven from your houses, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean it's going to end permanently. It just means during those seven days, we you know we got to put a rest to the mm-hmm. to the leaven, put it outside, get rid of it, give it a rest, and that and that really is maybe how we can translate this if we want in a sort of loose way. Look, I'm going to give your Shab- Shabbats, your Chagim, and your new moons and your Moadim. I'm going to give them a rest. Yeah, that's you know, we got some other issues we need. To yeah, do. we got to deal with those other issues. We're going to put these on the side. We're going to give it a rest. And then we're going to focus on these issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So now I think we're getting close to being on the same verse. No, no, not really. I don't know. <laughs> All right, where are we at in English 2.12? So in Hebrew, we're in 2.14. Okay. In English 2.12. Go ahead. I will destroy her vines and fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages, which my lover have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the Baals, mm-hmm. when she used to offer sacrifices to them, and adorn herself with earrings and jewelry and follow of her lover so that she forgot me, declares Yehovah. And some people would use this verse to say, and this is an, another example, where they'd use this verse and some denominations would come along and say, <clears throat> a woman must never wear earrings and jewelry and say this verse would be the reason for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, not, not take completely out of context, saying, here's an example in Hosea 2.13. And again, the person wouldn't look at the, hmm. the, the big picture, but they would say, here's what she would do. She adorned herself with earrings and jewelry doing that. Therefore, you must never wear. Earrings. So now let's talk about the context, yes. the cultural context, historical yes. context. When it says adorn herself with earrings and jewelry, what was the sin? Mm. That those were um, those were pieces of jewelry that were dedicated to Baal. Mm-hmm. In other words, you'd wear a little earring, and the earring would have I don't know. It might have even had a statue of Baal on it, sure. a little image of Baal. Yeah. Or if in any event, it was something that was dedicated to Baal, and everyone would see her and say, "Oh, she, she went to the temple did. last week and dedicated her ear to Baal, Baal, or dedicated that you know mm-hmm. thing to Baal." And and that's the context here. Mm-hmm. But in in in, in it's, it's, uh, it's so there's nothing innately wrong with an earring, right? And or, or, or right. jewelry. But when it and we actually see another example of right. this when they right. would say, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to put a all in your say, I'm, I you know I belong to, and that's a, a representation right. in a picture. Um, well, can I go out on a limb and suggest? And this isn't as clear in the text. How big of a limb is it going to be? It's not that big of a okay. limb. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's also possible that um, the earring and uh, different jewelry here is not literal but symbolic mm-hmm. in the sense that um, when you would marry somebody, the betrothal gift was to give them an earring or give them a nose ring. We mm-hmm. see that, for example, sure. in Genesis sure um, where he gives her you know, jewelry. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is jewelry that symbolically or perhaps even literally represents a marriage with Baal because Baal also means husband. And that mm-hmm. will tie into what we're about to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you're, you're making your you're proclaiming yourself to be married to Baal and you've forgotten me. I'm your real husband. Mm-hmm. So if I give yeah. my wife a little earring for her nose. Yeah. So, so that it's, there's nothing, nothing necessarily. I mean, I could not use, biblically. Nothing do, wrong with that whatsoever. Do you know where I can get such a thing? I'm sure you can get it right here in Jerusalem, all over would, the place. I don't think she would do it. She, she's okay. tough on me when it comes to that sort of thing. Okay. But if I get her like a diamond ring, she'd probably wear. It. Uh, I, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> what? <laughs> what verse are we in? <laughs> if only I could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> you got me on the bus. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> behold, verse fourteen. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. This is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. You know, I got to I got to stop for a second, Nehemiah. Sometimes yeah. this is where it really does get difficult um, when you're going through the prophets because because every phrase, every couple words, or every little section of an of a sentence. Has meaning, you know. So look, mm-hmm. so we could get through this really quick and say, and I will give her vineyards from there, and the valley of what, what is that? As a door of hope, what is that? You know, I mean, just just that line right there, mm-hmm. we could stop and unpack that, and really it becomes an issue of how much time do we have? What can we do? How far do we want to go? How deep do we want to go? But what I really do want to challenge people to do, and, and I really mean this, is is if we don't address an issue, that yeah. doesn't mean it's not important. 
That just right. means we might don't have the time, but it's, it really is something I, I think well, and, every And here's word, something where people could really easily go and look up what is a yeah, chor. Yes. Where is the Valley of Achor? You'll find it in Joshua and Chronicles and mm-hmm. go look that up. Mm-hmm. As a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up, here it comes again, from the land of Egypt. Yeah. Mm. Just one more thing about the door of hope, which you won't see in the English, is that in Hebrew that phrase is Petach Tikva. Uh-huh. And that's the name of a town today in Israel called Petach Tikva. It was named after this verse, a door of hope. Now, I will say this. Now, we're going to, you know, you're going to stick your chest out here and say, I've got a teaching on this. And I remember when I did this teaching and we already talked about this. But you know what? This next, this next verse is a game changer. Don't you think? Is this, isn't this verse a game changer? You make fun of my teaching. No, I'm not making fun of your teaching. I know what you're going to do. I've got a teaching on this. So not on this. So, all right. Well, we, so, you know, what, no. So I actually talk this. about this next, these next couple verses in my book, Shattering the Conspiracy of Silence. Is also a, there's a teaching on it. I did it at, um, <laughs> <laughs> why are you making fun of me? I told you. It's a great teaching. No, it's a wonderful It's one teaching. of the best teachings I've ever done. No, it really is. But no, um, this is a game changer, this verse. No, it, it's, it's, worth, it's, it's a key worth verse. And, I, and, and to fully contextualize it, go online to YouTube. And there's a teaching there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it at, um, I think, El Shaddai. In uh, in Tacoma, and it's up there on um, uh, on my YouTube channel. So go look for Nehemi Gordon on YouTube, and you can find the teaching. It's about uh, I think it's called something like mi- uh, spiritual mixing of seed mm. is the name of the topic. Mm-hmm. And and this is one of the key verses. I think it's a key verse in the entire Tanakh. But yeah, no, no. So, go so ahead. why is it? I'll no, tell talking. me why it's a game changer. No, no, no. For tell me, me your teaching. They no. can go to YouTube and hear mine. <laughs> mine, mine, mine What's your teaching? No, Do you no have I don't have a teaching. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is this has been a verse for me that's been really, really important. Yeah. And the reason this mm-hmm. verse has been so important to me is because the English does something really, really interesting. Okay. Um, in Hebrew, so normally you would, you know, we'd have this conversation back and forth and I'm like the Methodist, so what does it say in the Hebrew? And then you'd look and yeah. say, but even if you're an English reader, mm-hmm. this is what's so cool to me about this verse. If you're just an English reader, you don't have any uh, Hebrew background whatsoever, the English Bible does something really interesting. Now, I don't know if there are some verse, there, there are some translations that don't do it. I would like to know if there are translations that don't do it. But is it not interesting to you that the English, when it gets to the word that you will call me Ishi and will no longer call me Baali, that the English decides to actually bring the Hebrew. The English doesn't bring the English. The uh-huh. English brings the Hebrew. Okay. And I'm talking about, so tell me, is it different? Is the Hebrew word Ishi different? In other words, you read, I'm looking in the English Bible here, that you will call me Ishi. Mm-hmm. What does it say in Hebrew? Ishi. There's got to be a difference. Nope. No, wait a whole stop. Now, this is really a big deal. Can I read it in Hebrew? No, I'd love for you to read it in Hebrew. I'll read it slowly and listen for the words Ishi and Baali. Yes. V'haya v'yom hahu ne'um Yehovah tikri Ishi v'lo tikri li od Baali. Yes. Now, I want you, Nehemiah, to take a moment yeah. and talk about your teaching. And okay. And I'd like to say something. Well, so so let, let me translate it literally. Um, and it shall come to pass on that day, says Yehovah, you will call uh, my husband, and you will not call me anymore my husband. And you read that if you, and this is you why just it, translated it. This yes. is why it couldn't translate it in the English now you're because working. it makes no sense in English. It makes no and sense. So say instead, it again. say it again. I want you to say it in English. You again. will call me my husband, and you will no longer call me my husband. Crisis. Right. The English translators have a crisis. Right. And, and really, what it has is two different words for husband. Exactly. Now, E, that E ending in Ishi in Bali means my. Mm. So you will no longer call me my Ish. Sorry, you will no longer call me by Baal. You will call me my Ish. Mm. And what's the difference? Both of those words mean husband. But what Israel was doing is they were calling Yehovah by the name Baal. 
They were saying, yes, we worship the You're Lord. You're making that up, Nehemiah. There's no such verse with it. Um, I've got lots of them. It's in the teaching. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we're not going to go into all those right now. Yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, I'm specifically not going to bring those verses because I want people to go and listen to the teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's free on YouTube. You can listen to it. W- one of the best teachings I've ever done. Um, spiritual mixing of seed. Anyway, so it should come to pass in that day. And we'll post the link if we remember yes, on, yes, on the, yes, on the yes, page absolutely. along with this teaching, mm-hmm. uh, along with this uh, prophet pearls. So you'll no longer talk, call me my husband. You will call me. You'll no longer call me my husband. You will call me my husband. What's that about? So Israel was called, was in this covenant relationship with the creator of the universe and saying, Israel, Israel said about God, he's our husband. Mm-hmm. We're married to him. And the Hebrew word for husband is ish, but it's also baal, which mm-hmm. also means master. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we say in English, mister. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point was they were saying, well, if God's our husband, well, Baal means husband and Baal is the God of the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. So Yehovah is Baal. And mm-hmm. there are verses that talk about this. Yes. In fact, we're going to go and have dinner today at a, in a place called uh, Emek Rephaim, the Valley of Rephaim. And one of the places right we're going to walk by, and maybe we'll even go to if we have time, is called Baal Pratzim. Yeah. And uh, go, look, go look at the teaching and you'll, you'll, you'll see mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Um, and then he says, and I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they will no longer mention them by name. Mm. That means they were referring to Jehovah as Baal and mentioning the name of Baal. Mm. And so this is actually really different than what we saw with Elijah Mount Carmel. Elijah Mount Carmel is there were two different gods, Jehovah and Baal. And he says, if you're going to worship Jehovah, worship Jehovah. If you're going to worship Baal, choose him. Mm. But you can't have both. Here what they've done is something a lot more subtle, more nuanced, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. more insidious, mm-hmm. is that they've identified Yehovah as Baal. And that's why I call it spiritual mixing of seed. Mm-hmm. They've um, taken the counterfeit and superimposed it over the real to the point where they probably couldn't even tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's saying in the end time, I'm going to remove the name of the Baal for their, Baals from their mouth and no longer mention them by name. Mm-hmm. And that re- is reminiscent of... Exodus 23, verse 13, where it says, uh, All that I am telling you, you shall, you shall guard, and the names of other gods you shall not mention, nor shall it be heard upon your mouth. Mm-hmm. And they, that's what they were doing. They were calling on Yehovah, and they were saying, Look, you know, the, we worship mm-hmm. we worship the Lord. We worship our, you know, we have got our husband relationship between Israel. That's Baal. And what they were doing is, is it's called syncretism. Mm-hmm. You know, they were mixing the two religions and creating this, this unholy hybrid. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, that's much more dangerous and more, more mm-hmm. confusing than going and worshiping a completely different god. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something because you, you took, the, you took uh, this verse and you, and you used it as, it as it pertains to the spiritual mixing scene. I actually used this verse a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first book that I uh, – the book that I, I wrote, um, His Hallowed Name Revealed Again, I, I actually – in that book, I, I had a, a goal, and the goal was to give people a chance to actually interact with the information, to see it for themselves. And many, many people said what they appreciated about it is sometimes it was a really complicated uh, topic that was made a little bit more easy for people to understand because they would apply it. This verse is one that I think is is, is, is the gold standard for when the English translators run up against some issues where they can't deny the fact that it's dealing with a different language. The Hebrew Bible is the basis for the English uh, for the English, and sometimes, and, and this is unfortunate, many people that I that I've known over time that didn't even know that English wasn't the original. They thought that that the King James version was the original version mm-hmm. of script. In other words, if you ask them, and I'm not trying to make fun of them, 
because I, I really, my heart feels sad for them. They weren't exposed to anything else. And so when they read, you know, um, when they heard the words, you know, I am the Lord uh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, they believed that that's exactly what God spoke in mm. that language until they mm. learned it was a different language. And then they had to take a further step to find out, so how do I have access to that language? Mm-hmm. So I want to use this verse as the, yeah. a ministry minute, if I can, Please. because I've really been struggling, Nehemiah, and I've talked to you about this a few times. I'm going to take my time through this. I've talked to you about this a few times um, where I've really had a challenge with trying to help people have access to the actual information. What you did that I think is really powerful, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to say it and how much I appreciate it, but you basically said, okay, if you're willing to go through the work, you can have access to the information. What has shocked me? Let me say it a little more clearly. What has really, really surprised me in the last seven to eight years is how many people are teaching what they want to say, the Hebrew roots of their faith, but they weren't interacting with the actual Hebrew language. And I want to say this shocked me. I would go to some of the teachers and I would say, okay, well, so what do you do about the fact that it's in this particular, um, you know, uh, grammatical structure? And they'd say, I don't, I don't know because I don't read it. I don't read it in that way. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what do you okay. Mean they don't read it. No, no, they way. don't read it. They're not reading the Hebrew. They're not actually looking at the actual. Are you original. telling there's people who are teaching there are Hebrew? People, absolutely. And the no, not of only Hebrew, Hebrew, they don't even read Hebrew. Not even Hebrew. I'm talking about teaching going further. And I want to be really sensitive because this is really important. What I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. So for all of these years, Nehemiah, I've said I have been shocked when people were saying, well, the meaning of this word is as it pertains to God's name or God's feast or whatever. And they would begin to go on and on and on. And then when I would talk to them, I'd say, so tell me, what do you do with the text on this? And they say, well, I don't know because I don't read the Hebrew. Now, one of the challenges has been they would say, well, yeah, well, Nehemiah might read the Hebrew, but he's not a believer. He he can't help us. And, and there's big bin arguments back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So what have I been struggling with? And I really want to take my time on this. I've been struggling with finding ways to give people access to the information in bite-sized portions. So in the first book, His Hallowed Name Revealed Again, there's 200 and some notes, all of that stuff. And a lot of it is based on the Hebrew where people can actually check for themselves. Then there was a next step, which was the whole Time Will Tell series and all of the videos that we did that many times use the sources but it was in a, a, an engaging fashion. It wasn't that they would necessarily learn it, but they would see it. Then the next thing we did, which I think was huge in 2014, is we did a series called Scripture Bites. We took the Ten Commandments series plus uh, four other uh, scriptural passages, one Isaiah 56, uh, where people can actually learn um, what's behind the English. And people were excited because they said, wow, I get to see, this is what it says in Hebrew. But it was a next step. Now I'm making another decision. And this decision is really a big one because they're listening to it this week, which is actually the week of Shavuot. Is it? It's the week of Shavuot. Um, and on this week... This is assuming we find the Aviv. <laughs> assuming that the Aviv is found. But even if the Aviv isn't found also uh, in the church, Pentecost happens to fall at the same time as the rabbinic Shavuot, um, which I believe is uh, around May 25th, something like that. Here comes the big announcement. As a May result, 24th. Of May 24th. And this is read in the synagogue on May 23rd. Okay, awesome. Now, Hemi, and I want you to be the first to hear this, mm-hmm. though the people are, well, now you're not really the first, but you're the first publicly to hear this, is that what I've decided is that I want, like a verse like this where it says that you will call me Ishi and no longer call me Ba'ali, 
many people will read that and they don't have any idea what ish is. They don't have any idea what the e is. They have no idea what the e at the end is. And you do a great job. And this is the suffix, and this is the and you know, and you try your best to to give it to them. But one of the things that I want to do is give people beginning level ability to interact with the Hebrew. So on this weekend. People will be able to, and I want this first to be to the group of people that will test it. Now, you remember, this is a funny story. <laughs> this is one of my funniest stories. So I wrote my little book, my little study. Remember, this is this, is, this goes down in history. And in the little study, I would say to Nehemia, Nehemia, you've got to read the little <laughs> study. And he would, <laughs> he'd open it up for two pages and he'd shut it. And it would offend me. And he'd say, oh, your little study. And But you, over time, over time. You said something to me, and I really want to tell you how much I appreciate this. You said, Keith, what you were able to do is to take the information that's very complicated and make it simple. And and I want to tell you how much I appreciated it. explain it in a simple way. And explain it in a simple way. So as of this weekend, we have an audio course for beginning Hebrew. Wow. A beginning Hebrew audio course, and it's in the spirit of Scripture Bites. It's Scripture Bites, Biblical Hebrew... <laughs> for beginners is what I say. It's a, it's a biblical Hebrew course. And what it is, it's going to be a chance for people and it's going to be starting the premium content library. Why? Because we want a controlled group of people to go through the course and give us their input, put their comments. Does it make sense? Is it too complicated? Is it too easy? Is it too simple? And literally it's going to be launched on this weekend. Now here's the challenge. You're listening to this this weekend. The challenge is we got a lot of work to do before that. Now, I've already done a couple of them, had people look at it. But the general sense is that people want a chance to learn biblical Hebrew, but they don't want to get overwhelmed. They want to take a bite at a time. And so this is a scripture bites, biblical Hebrew for beginners and the ability for people to understand it little by little. How many lessons there will be? I'm not sure. But this weekend. You can go to BFAinternational.com, front page. You're going to see the little banner, and it's going to say Biblical Hebrew there, Scripture Bites, Biblical Hebrew, and you're going to click it, go in there, and for people that are in the premium content library, you're going to help us make this, just like with my first book, input from all these different people, and then by the end of the Prophet Pearl section, we'll make it public for everybody so that they've got it, so you're going to help us develop it. But I'm under pressure, and I'm to good pressure, and I appreciate it, to basically bring what I've been saying for some years. How do you bring this information and put it in a palatable way? You make it bite-sized. And so that's what we're going to do with Biblical Hebrew. I don't know if I'll ever get you a chance to look at it, but hopefully, hopefully, the people that are listening that want to learn a little bit more and understand it for themselves, this is going to be an introductory way for them to have a practical way to understand the language, actual biblical Hebrew, where they can open their Hebrew Bible and read it. I'm very excited about it, uh, but I will say, if you're hearing it this weekend, there's been an amazing movement of God's Spirit between now, today, Purim, and the time that this happens. But I know it's going to happen. So, thank you very much for letting me make the announcement. Now, every week, you're going to hear about this until the end of Prophet Pearls. That's my announcement. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We must never let them have me read. No, that's not the right suffix there. That's the wrong. Right. <laughs> and we need that. We do need that. Wonderful. Because we want people that's to That's great. I love that you're open to correction. Yes. And, you know, come before Jehovah in humility instead of, uh, you know. No, I, you got I, the answer. I've no, done. No, I figured it out. I've no, got the secret. No, 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 no. no. I no. learned that. All right. Me. So anyway, NehemiahsWall.com is my website, and uh, and I love that this is the weekend of Shavuot. When this is being broadcast, it will be exactly a year yep. since I actually began a project, which was um, the uh, support team studies. I've mm-hmm. had people who have supported my ministry in the past, and um, 
and decided I'm going to start putting out these studies as a way of saying thank you for the support team. And it's really taken on a life of its own. But the first one I did was on the topic of Shavuot. I called it the Feast of Oaths. Ah. And I shared some things that I learned um, really over the last uh, almost like a lifetime. And it was one of the things I, I realized as I was doing this. At the time, I was teaching high school in China, and I had these 15-year-old students. And I realized 15 years old is a lifetime for those students. Ah. And, I, and that's why, I, I, you know, in humility came before God and said, okay, what have I learned in the last lifetime, in the last 15 years? And, mm. and I shared what, some of the things I learned about Shavuot and, um, you know, and really, <laughs> really some, life, some life-changing things. And so that you can get that, uh, go to chemiaswall.com and sign up for the support team. And don't yes. forget to sign up for the free newsletter, which you can get on the side of the page there. You can click on a little thing and put in your email and get the free weekly newsletter. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the weekly, um, uh, the, the podcasts, mm-hmm. um, whether they're weekly or whatever they are. Go to iTunes or your favorite podcast program and subscribe to the Chemia's Wall podcast. And I want to say something about both situations. You know, yeah. one of the things that's really uh, kind of interesting is that we've got levels of people that, that, that see everything. Like you said, going to YouTube, that's nothing. You don't have to register. You just go there and you can see that. Yeah. We have lots of things like that. Yeah. We have things that for people to register where they can be on the newsletters, either newsletter. And then you have the you know, like the support team or premium content library. And, and what I really love about that is it gives people a chance to sort of enter in taking steps and how far they want to go. And, yeah. and, and, and yet at the same time, there is this way of, of people being saying, I want a little bit more. And again, that's what we're trying to do is to develop those kinds of things where for those who want more and that want to go to that deeper level, um, that that can be there, but in integrity, um, where there can actually be some input. So it is kind of exciting to know uh, we're coming to Shavuot. I can't wait to talk. Uh, well, we, we'll keep going in, in here, but Shavuot happened to be the time that I met you uh, in the family. That's, and that's right. when I came. So uh, for all those years later, I, I think it was at 2002, and now it's 2015. So how many years is that? 13. 13 years. you got to be kidding yeah. me. We've known each other that long. That's a lifetime, isn't it? That's almost 15 That's, years. This is our bar mitzvah. <laughs> our bar mitzvah so what verse together. are we on here? Last verse. Okay. Which which is verse? Which is, or is it the last verse? No, I'm it's so not really confused. one. Mm-mm. All right, hold on a second. No, it's, no, it's not the last verse. 2, 21 and 22, which okay. in English is, um, I don't know what it is in English. <laughs> so maybe it's not the same. Oh, it's two nineteen and 20 in the English. Yes. Okay. Okay. So can you read that? Yes. I will betroth you to me. I will... I will betroth you uh, to me uh, just for a little while. No, it says le'olam. Mm-hmm. It says I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice. And here comes that word again, chesed, in loving kindness and in compassion. Uh, wow. Um, and, and doesn't that remind you when you see compassion, doesn't that remind you of uh, what we just talked about? Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's what he says, and I will. Well, it's, it's yeah. Rachamim, which yep. is related to the word Ruhama and Lo Ruhama. Yes, actually. Yeah. So I will, be, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know, Yehovah. He has really interesting to come here. Here's that little et. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of like this. You know, it's uh, in, in Hosea two twenty two in the Hebrew, and in uh, Hosea. Two uh, twenty twenty in the English, yeah. um, and I'm not going to go into any, any detail about it, but it's just another example um, where when you when you can know some little some little information, um, you know you either have to let that information be consistent. You can't pick and choose. It's either got to be a consistent concept that you apply, or are you like I said, you can't pick and choose. And here's an example where it says, "I will know you," and then right before the word Yehovah is two little letters, an Aleph and a Tav which is the et, which has got to do with the direct object, but sometimes is used and misused, mistranslated, and 
I think you even have a study on that too. So. I do. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so, so I want to ask a question on this. Yes. This is a really interesting. Um, like this is, and, we re, and can we can can we like you know go go out of the box here and yes. read three more verses just yes, real quick? Yes, absolutely. Can you read those verses? Uh, Twenty and it will come twenty-three about, to twenty-five in the in the Hebrew. I guess it's I don't know the next three verses, whatever those are in the English. I don't think twenty-one, twenty-two. I don't think it's out of the out of the deal because it, it, goes it is. No, I'm looking right now, and Hebrew it goes to verse twenty-two, which ah. is verse twenty in the English. I know this is, and that's the people. end of a, a section too. Nehemiah. No, it's the so, end of a paragraph, but be, it's a minor break right there. At the end of twenty-two, and Hebrew. Though, but but it's part of the whole. Th- we okay. got to we got to read verses twenty-one to twenty-three. Okay, just to wrap up with the whole Jezreel thing. I feel like okay, and it shall come to pass in that day. I will hear, saith Jehovah, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear hear Jezreel, and I will sow on, uh, her unto me in the earth, mm-hmm. and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy, and I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. Now, wow. what does that have to do with what we just read? Mm. Because, first of all, Jezreel is the name of the city, and here there's a play on words. He says, uh, Zeratiha, I will sow her. Mm. And Israel is, he, means God will sow, mm. to sow seed. Mm-hmm. So I will sow her unto me means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant the seed unto her. And that, was the, that essentially is God saying Jezreel, which is this rebellious city, is going to become a symbol of my relationship with Israel. Mm. And then it goes on and it says, and I will say concerning Lo Ruchama, that is the name of his daughter, say that or, again. or symbolically yes. Israel, mm-hmm. that I had mercy upon her. Mm-hmm. I had Rechamti, mm-hmm. I had Rachamim on her. And I will say of Lo Ami, Amiata, you are my people. So you got, we can't just skip this verse. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's key of, for the whole first two chapters of, of, um, of, uh, you know, of Hosea. I love that passage, but I do want to ask a question about um, about this betrothal statement. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. He says, "I will betroth you to me." Uh, uh, let, let me read it in Hebrew. Verastichli leolam, I will betroth you to me forever. Verastichli betzedek uvemishpatu bechesed rachamim, and I will betroth you to me in uh, 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 righteousness and and, and judgment yeah. huh? and um, chesed. Difficult word to translate, mm-hmm. and in mercy. Verastichli bemunan, I will uh, betroth you to me in uh, in faith. Viadat mm. et Yehovah, and you will know Yehovah. And this is an interesting statement. He all this betrothal, betrothal, betrothal three times. Why doesn't he say I will marry you? Wow. Why does he say I will betroth you? Wow. Now, if we have anybody listening in China, mm-hmm. one of the things I learned when I was in China is they don't have the concept of betrothal. What in modern English we call betrothal uh, to get engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, you give the woman the ring, etc. And um, uh, so, yeah, so they actually don't have that in China. I would meet these people and they would be talking like, like I actually knew this guy in China. He was an American. He was he was uh, about to marry this Chinese woman and they got wedding photos, which in China they do before the wedding. They dress up in their wedding outfit and she's in the white dress and he's in the tuxedo and they go to some park somewhere and they take. Do they do that in America? They before the wedding. Well, there's engagement. Uh, no, 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 no. no before, before the actual wedding. It's wedding yes, some photos. People, some people do wedding photos the day of the wedding. Oh, no. This, yeah. this is months before. Oh, okay. No. And I, and I said, wow, these are such nice pictures with your with your uh, fiancé. Or actually, he said, let me show you the p- pictures with my girlfriend. And I look at these pictures and I'm like, what? <laughs> girlfriend? She's your fiancé. And, and he explained, in China, they don't have that concept. Mm-hmm. There's your girlfriend and you marry your girlfriend. In America, you don't marry your girlfriend. For, there's an intermediary stage that we have mm-hmm. in Western culture. In biblical culture, they're, they're, it's actually closer to China, perhaps, mm-hmm. because 
you know, there was a woman who had no status whatsoever, and then you would betroth her. You would, you know, you would become engaged to her, and that actually is a legal status in the Torah. Wow. Uh, in fact, if you have relations with a woman who's betrothed and she's not your fiance, then that is adultery. Mm-hmm. And according to the Torah, you're both worthy of death. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very big deal, betrothal. Mm-hmm. It's the stage before marriage that has a legal status. And we have that in America. We've got that in Western countries. We've got engagement. Um, so why does he say, let me translate this into modern English. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be engaged to you forever. I'm going to be engaged to you in righteousness and in justice and in mercy and in, in, in righteousness, whatever, chesed, and in mercy. I'm going to be engaged to you in faith and you will know Yehovah. And that last you will know, that that's this intimacy to know yes, God. to know God. Um, you know, in an intimate sense. It's strange. Why is it betrothed and not marriage? Mm. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Wow, I really don't. I mean, it's funny because when you say, and I will betroth you, it might, my, my thought was, see, see, I was thinking a little bit different. I was thinking betrothal means... We're getting. I mean, there's 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 the actual ceremony, but basically, if I'm betrothed to you, that's it. We're you know. But that's not that's, it. No, I'm saying in my mind, I'm yeah. thinking that this means okay, you're you're betrothed. That means as far as we're concerned, we're you know we're getting married. Maybe this is too personal for me because I've been engaged and not married. Engagement doesn't mean necessarily you'll be married. Um, you know, married that is this covenant before God. Engagement is a step before that. Um, you know. Uh, I don't know. But in ancient times, so if someone was betrothed to them, that was pretty serious, right? It was. It's serious today. Yeah, no question about it. And and I'm saying biblically, it, you know, you, you are bound to that person, um, and if they if they cheat on you, that's adultery. Yeah. Uh, and my point, the difference is though, in marriage, in Deuteronomy 24, we've got the whole thing about divorce, and there's a whole you know mm-hmm. thing with, with a certificate of divorce. With betrothal, you don't have that. Meaning betrothal, you can break off the betrothal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a nice thing. It's not a good thing. It's a painful thing, believe me. Um, but uh, but you don't need that whole you know divorce process, uh, which is a much bigger deal in Deuteronomy 24. And and the point is, and I don't have the answer. Well, see, and the, the, the actual section ended on twenty two uh, in twenty two, correct? In the Hebrew, which in is Hebrew. twenty in the English, right? And but and and again, we're, we're talking about the issue of betrothal. Right. But does the end does the end help the matter, or not really? In other words, meaning here is one way of reading it. Right, I am going to betroth you to me three times. Then it says, and then you will know Yehovah. In other words, that knowing Yehovah, that is the consummation of the betrothal, right? Ending in marriage. Mm. Um, and so, arguably, the verse does have uh, marriage in it. But I, but where, I, where I'm where I'm vexed about it and and struggling with it is the statement, "I will betroth you to me forever." Um, I don't have an answer. I think okay. it's I think it's very interesting, though. Okay. Uh, and and this is definitely understood in you know later Jewish tradition as you know what we've done today in Jewish tradition, by the way, is 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 um there is a formal uh, betrothal process, which is actually part of the day of the wedding. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that. Mm-hmm. In other words, when a Jewish man gives the woman the ring, according to the rabbis, they're not actually technically betrothed. That betrothal, it's almost like there's a fourth stage. You've got the girlfriend, you've got the, betro- the, the engagement, the betrothal, and the wedding, in, okay. in, in rabbinical tradition at least. Um, but well, this is, yeah, this is, I don't this know. Is so I don't have an answer. I think you should give this as the word, what this word to do. Okay, betroth- let's do let's it. Let's do it. So the word is aras. Aleph, Resh, Sin, and he says, V'erastich, V is and, A is I will, V'e, Rastich, and mm. I will, Rast, uh, uh, or sorry, um, sorry, the, uh, scratch that. The, <laughs> I'm tired, this is the third episode we're doing okay. today. V'erastich, it's the inverted future. So no, the no, t- say the whole word because I think it's really interesting. V'erastich. Yes. 
Okay, the erastich. So the ich part at the end, the ch part is you yes. to a woman. Yep. The t part at the end is I will. Yes. Actually, it's I uh, did, yep. but the vav at the beginning, the v, means both and, and it changes the I did to I will. Yes, sir. And then the root is eras, aleph, yeah. resh, sin. Yeah. Um, and a place you, and that actually appears twice. Ve erastich, ve erastich, ve erastich. Mm. Aleph, resh, sin is, is the root. Um, and uh, just a couple places where you have that root, this betrothal, mm-hmm. um, Exodus twenty-two fifteen verse 16 in the mm-hmm. English talks about a, a, a man who seduces a virgin who is not lo orasa, she is not engaged, She's she not is not engaged. betrothed. Yes. Uh, Deuteronomy 20, verse 7, Deuteronomy 22, uh, in, uh, 23 and on has a whole series of commandments related to, um, mm-hmm. to betrothal. And then Deuteronomy 28, 30 has a, actually a curse. Uh, mm-hmm. For those who violate the Torah, it says you will engage a woman and another man will lie with her. So um, we've got um, this word uh, betrothal. And here it has this um, obviously symbolic spiritual meaning where God is going to betroth Israel. Um, one last verse is 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 14. Look that up. There's uh, There it's actually, you know, today we give a ring. Even in ancient times when you betrothed the woman, you gave something. And, and 2 Samuel 3, 14 has a very interesting uh, uh, replacement for a ring, a very interesting betrothal gift. You could look it up for yourself. Okay. So which yeah. verse are we officially going to end on? 22. Okay. 22. Verse 20 in the English is the official ending. We, we skipped ahead, but yeah. Okay. So, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to say? That's it. I'm done. No, nothing else. That's what I got. Wow. Well, and that's and you're gonna stick into it. That's it. I'm you're sticking, sticking to it. it. Okay. Awesome. Well, we are we are in a, a a great place right now. This is a this is really a great passage for people to to look at. Um, go to those go to those sections again, and and hopefully over the next um few weeks you're gonna be able to learn a little bit more of the biblical Hebrew that we're talking about. And I have to just say, Nehemiah, I don't know. We haven't talked about this, but this has really been a gift. One of the things that you uh, provide each week is actually the the actual passage in Hebrew where people can actually listen to the actual mm-hmm. passage in Hebrew. So in other words, when they go to Prophet Pearls on BFAinternational.com, um, NehemiahsWall.com, they listen to the Prophet Pearls, but then the actual section itself has been recorded by our, ours truly, uh, Nehemiah Gordon. And what I want to challenge people to do is that, you know, they might think, oh, I'll never be able to do that. But it, what is it? I like to say one letter, one vowel at a time, and pretty soon people can learn to at least be able to proclaim um, these words. It's not something that's an impossible language. It's not an easy language, but I have to say it's powerful. It's a very easy it's language. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful <laughs> language, you know. Go try to learn it's, Chinese. Oh my God. <laughs> We're talking Chinese. Woo. Hey, well, listen, this is it uh, for right now. I'm really I'm really motivated and excited. Yeah. You know, we've got a couple more today, and then we're going to be going out and being with the community here for Purim. I'd like to say a prayer, if I can, luck, and then we'll move on. Father, thank you for the gift of this language that you selected. You selected the Hebrew language, and we certainly have the ability because of it. Um, you'll give us the ability to understand it. Give us the focus and the excitement and the joy to be able to speak your language, um, not to not to stick our chest out, but rather in humility to realize that you've um, given us revelation in this language and that we actually can learn it. Now I ask that you would continue to um, give us motivation and revelation and inspiration and continue to give us the desire to want to know the information so that we can uh, find out what it means for your word yesterday, today, and tomorrow and how we can live it in our lives. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFA International. 
www.thepetshop.com. 